Before we get to today's episode of Pit Pass Indy, we have breaking news involving 2021 NTT IndyCar Series champion Alex Pillow. The driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda at Chip Ganassi Racing is on his way to McLaren Racing in 2023. The team announced Tuesday evening, July 12th. That created a very confusing situation because that news came five hours after Chip Ganassi Racing announced it was exercising its option with Pelot and issued a media statement that said he would be back with that team in 2023. McLaren did not announce which series the 2021 NTT IndyCar Series champion will be competing. Pelot, who was linked to joining Arrow McLaren SP Racing in the days following this year's 106th Indianapolis 500, disputed the initial rumor in June and indicated he was happy with Chip Ganassi Racing. Five hours before the McLaren announcement, Chip Ganassi Racing issued a release that said Pelot would be back with the team in 2023. Quote, Chip Ganassi Racing announced today that the team has exercised its option to extend Alex Pillow through the 2023 season, the release said. Quote, Pillow won CGR's 14th IndyCar Championship in 2021, also becoming the first Spaniard to ever win the season title. Here's a quote from team owner Chip Ganassi that said, Alex's track record speaks for itself. He's a proven champion and one of the most formidable drivers in the world. We are very excited to continue working together. Polo is even quoted in the release. Quote, it's a great feeling knowing I'll be back with Chip Ganassi Racing next season, said Alex Pillow. Continued, quote, the team welcomed me with open arms from day one, and I'm excited to continue working with Chip, Mike Hall, and the folks on the number 10 NTT data car and everyone within the organization. The goals remain the same, and we will continue to work relentlessly towards achieving them, end of quote. However... Pelot said he never issued that quote that was used in the Ganassi announcement. At 7.14 p.m. Eastern Time Tuesday, Pelot said the following on Twitter, quote, I have recently learned from the media that this afternoon, without my approval, Chip Ganassi Racing issued a press release announcing that I would be driving with CGR in 2023. Even more surprising was that CGR's release included a quote which did not come from me. I did not approve that press release. I did not author or approve that quote. As I have recently informed CGR, for personal reasons, I do not intend to continue with the team after 2022. This evening's unfortunate events aside, I have great respect for the CGR team and look forward to finishing this season strongly together. This has created a very interesting and muddled situation as all parties head to Toronto for this weekend's Honda Indy Toronto. Later in this episode of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, we have an interview with Polo that was taped before Tumultuous Tuesday. Polo talks about his return to Toronto and looking ahead to the upcoming races on the schedule. We will continue to track this story in future episodes of Pit Pass Indy. And now, back to our regularly scheduled podcast.
IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway on August 20th. Make plans now to be part of the action by visiting www.wwtraceway.com and www.bomberito.com. After a weekend off, the NTT IndyCar Series heads to Canada for the first time since 2019 for the Honda Indy Toronto this weekend. The popular event on the streets of Toronto's exhibition place had been halted because of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020 and 2021. But it's back and back in a big way as it kicks off one of the busiest portions of this year's IndyCar schedule. It will be the first of five races in four weekends and the first of three races in a seven-day period. After the Honda Indy Toronto on July 17th, it's off to Iowa Speedway as High V, along with Penske Entertainment and the state of Iowa, bring back the popular Iowa Speedway to the schedule with a doubleheader. Two complete races at the same track on the same weekend. The action kicks off on Saturday, July 23rd with one race and follows with another race on Sunday, July 24. From there, the IndyCar teams head back to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Gallagher Grand Prix on the IMS road course on Saturday, July 30th. It's part of an IndyCar NASCAR triple header weekend at the Brickyard. The following week, it's down Interstate 65 to Nashville, Tennessee for the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix on August 7th. It's a very busy and very important part of the schedule that will go a long way in determining who wins the 2022 NTT IndyCar Series Championship. Currently, Indianapolis 500 winning driver Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing leads the standings at the halfway point of the season by 20 points over Team Penske's Will Power, the 2014 IndyCar champion. Two-time IndyCar champion Joseph Newgarden of Team Penske is third, 34 points out of the lead, followed by last year's champion Alex Pillow, who is 35 out. Errol McLaren SP's Pato Award rounds out the top five, 65 points behind the leader. With eight races left in the season, the top 11 drivers are separated by 113 points from first to 11th. One driver that hopes to break through in the final eight races is our first guest. 
It's Team Penske's Scott McLaughlin, a two-time winner in 2022 who drove to the win in the July 3rd Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio. He is seventh in points, just 69 out of the lead. Here is my exclusive interview with McLaughlin from the Team Penske shop in Mooresville, North Carolina for Pit Pass Indy presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. He's back for another appearance on Pit Pass Indy presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Team Penske driver, Scott McLaughlin. Scott, a couple of weeks ago, you won your second career IndyCar race at Mid-Ohio in the Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio. Fourth of July weekend, how did you go out and celebrate that one? Uh, look, it was absolutely an awesome weekend to get your second IndyCar win. You know, uh, America's weekend, and uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I, I definitely went out on um, on the Sunday night with the guys. We actually got home pretty early. We were luckily, luckily enough to be on the on the private plane home with the team plane, and um, you get home pretty early, and we were all pretty jacked up to go out and, and, and have a few drinks. So we went out and celebrated, but, you know, eyes forward, getting ready for, uh, you know, the back half of the season. It's going to be a pretty awesome one. Did you hit any fireworks shows down there in Burkdale Village that night? No, I didn't. I didn't hear any. Um, but I, on the on the Monday, uh, yeah, when I was trying to sleep and, and recover, um, yeah, that's when I heard the fireworks. <laughs> well, the fireworks in the Lake Norman area have changed a little bit. They no longer really give you a list of where they're at on any particular time. Yeah, so I don't know. you can't shoot them in the air or something like that. Like like, there's you're only allowed sparkles or something. Or no, maybe I'm wrong. I've I saw some new. Yeah, personal fireworks, you're only allowed to – you can't have, like, ones that shoot up or something like that. So, yeah, but I'm sure people do. But the fact is you had your parents here, and they yeah. saw the victory. Did they come back on the team flight with you? No, they did, didn't. Did no, they, they drove home, actually. They drove the dog home. So they 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 they, uh, they wanted to do that. They didn't want him to go in the kennel, and I, and, and I was like, okay, well, you guys can drive him. And, that, and they did, so they loved it. I probably uh, encountered them on the turnpike because I drove home after the Did race, you? too. Yeah, it's not too far. It's probably pretty, it's seven hours, something? Seven hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not seven hours from Mid-Ohio to Lake Norman, North yep. Carolina. But I'll tell you what, by the time that trip's over, yeah. you're done. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> That's why I didn't drive. Uh, but getting back to the season, though, I brought this up after your victory the other day. But that was, are you right at the area of your career that you thought you would be when you signed to become an IndyCar driver. Now that you've had a little bit of time to reflect to that, like I said, you're young, you want to win every week, but nobody's going to win every week. So is this your level of progress right about on target? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think we're in a good spot in terms of just where we're at and where we want to be, um, where we want it to be, um, you know, going into this season. Uh, I think two wins is probably ahead of schedule in some ways. I think, you know, we, we wanted to win a race, but to be as consistent as we have been, yeah, we've had a bit of bad luck. I've made some mistakes, but I think every race we've had a chance to be in the top five. And if it wasn't for a couple of misdemeanors, I'm, I'm probably find myself very close to the championship lead. So it's, um, you know, it's one of those deals where we've had the pace to run right at the front all year. And that's been a, a big, um, you know, tick for, for me and, and really allowed me to, you know, settle into the groove of the IndyCar season a lot easier. Last year, you ran your first Indianapolis 500. It was limited capacity. If you call 137,000 fans <laughs> limited, yeah. that's more people than would be able to fit in any other sporting event on earth. But now this year to see it in its full glory, 
What was that like for you? Oh, it was uh, it was almost overwhelming. You know, it was crazy. It was just uh, you know one of those those uh, races that um, you you see a lot on TV, and but to be a part of it from a uh, driver's perspective was just incredible. And to see it, it full and like you said, in all its glory, was amazing. And definitely, my mum and dad have never seen so many people in their life. You know, and and it was my whole family were sort of like taken aback a little bit with how big the situation and, and the race was, but it was so cool to experience that all together. And, um, yeah, thankful they were able to come across for it. What was the one thing about either the pageantry, the pre-race or the race itself that really jumped out and surprised you? Uh, I think to be honest, the parade on Saturday was surprising how I didn't realize how big it would be. I knew it was, that parades are normally pretty big, but like this was like lined with people for, for miles and it was pretty special to be a part of that. I guess in some ways, you know, what always gets me is just how patriotic, you know, America is on, on the M Memorial Day weekend and, um, you know, be able to be able to see that firsthand with you know the troops and and um, you know salute to them and then the flyovers and the anthems. It's it's uh it's pretty special. It's always special here racing in America, regardless like the national anthems and pre race prayer and stuff things that we do. Um, but it's even more special on a day like that, a very significant day in, in America. Um, yeah, in America's culture. It was also a significant weekend for America's culture with your second victory at Mid Ohio. Interesting place. It's out in the middle of a cornfield, literally. But all of a sudden you get there and there's all these people there that were camping out. I don't know about you, but I thought the crowd Sunday was pretty big. Yeah, no, it was huge. The whole, the um, the campgrounds were full. Um, you know, looking at, um, uh, you know, on the hill, like for the, before the start of the, before the start of the race, um, it was, it was packed as well. So, you know, something that, um, you know, was so very exciting for like all of us drivers. Cause you've been, you know, you go to mid Ohio a few times, especially on America's weekend and, and, uh, you know, you want to, want to see a big crowd and there has been the last few years we've put on some really good racing. I think the race on the weekend was pretty crazy. Um, and something that the fans wanted to see and, and I'm excited to be at the front of all that. You've only been in the series for two years, but what is your feeling from race to race about how IndyCar is accepted by the fans? I've always told everybody at the races that they go to, it's, you know, they're very well received for that particular weekend. They probably need more following on a weekly basis on TV and, and uh, other media. But what is your sense of the way IndyCar is followed compared to other American sports or other sports that you were used to seeing down in New Zealand or Australia? I think, oh, well, it's bigger than what I was ever a part of in Australia in some ways. You know, I think, like, supercars was big, but, you know, IndyCar is just big on a world scale. You know, everyone knows about it from Europe and Australia and New Zealand, you know, America. Um, the Probably the, the thing that's a negative thing for the IndyCar is probably we don't race, you know, as much as we probably want to um, or every weekend like a NASCAR or something like that. So having that consistency, being in people's, you know, heads and living rooms every every week um, is difficult. But that's why this five-week stretch that we have right now where we're going to be racing back to back to back, we need to make sure that we just promote the hell of it out of it and make sure that we uh, you know, get it right get right amongst it and get get people knowing when we are because whenever the people come to an IndyCar race or you know I have friends come that have never been before they're like fire out this is awesome like this is you know such an awesome spectacle do such a good job at looking after our fans we look after we've got some great seating for people to watch the races from we've got great racing we've got the best race in the world I think you know we've got to really push that agenda over a period where we're racing consistently you know, over the next few weeks 
a lot of the newbies that are starting to follow Formula One because of Drive to Survive keep saying IndyCar needs to do this, they need to do that. My attitude is IndyCar was never designed to be Formula One. It was designed to be IndyCar. What's your attitude when you hear people because they do it in Formula One that they should do it in IndyCar? I mean, it's just for me, it's you're looking at most of those comments are coming from people that don't really have have been in the sport for two or three years, not even um, purely because of Drive to Survive. I think what IndyCar has is one of the most pure forms of motorsport in the world. Um, a spec series, how close it is, how how tight um, the drivers are. You know, we're very um, you know. This so so competitive between all the teams. You know, Dale Coyne can come up against a powerhouse like Team Penske and, and win on any given day. You know, any a small team against a big team, it's it's a great story. And I think that's what we have uh, over most motorsports that you know, genuinely smaller teams can win races. And um, yeah, I think we have such a great uh, uh, batch of drivers that uh, over here um, that just. Uh, you know, hell-bent on winning, are very competitive. We're not just going out to beat our teammates. We're not just going out to get points. We're, we're literally every race we can do, we can we can win a race, and that's the difference between us and Formula 1. So, look, I, I fully respect what Formula 1 does. I fully respect what it, all they, they do, but we are on a different page in terms of budgets, in terms of manufacturer support in some ways. Um, but it's, you know, it's apples and oranges in some ways when you look at it for sure. Teamwork at Team Penske is... It's part of the name. <laughs> I mean, it's not Penske Racing, it's Team Penske. And there have been drivers in the history of Team Penske that may have lost their ride because they weren't team players. How important is that role of teamwork with you and your other two teammates, Will Power and Joseph Newgarden? Oh, it's massive, you know, and, and it gets uh, from the from the from the very top, it, it gets beaten into us that, you know, when the team wins, we win, you know, we all win. It's, you know, I think we've got a very good camaraderie between the three of us. I think me, Will and Joseph get along really well. We're competitive. We know each other. We want to beat each other badly, you know, every race. And me and Joseph are very upfront, you know, Will as well. It's, and I, but I think that, that gives us a sense of trust between each other that, you know, we, we're just trying to move the team forward and, you know, we want to, want to, we want to do it ourselves, but we're going to need the help from, from each other. And, and uh, I think some of the debriefs we've had this year have been really formidable about for us moving forward and, you know, to win six out of the nine races so far is pretty impressive from, you know, any standpoint and, um, you know, to, be a part be a part of that right now is really cool and i think there's just a really good vibe between all the cars between all the personnel between all the drivers and um that's going to be something that you know that roger asked for but it's very sometimes it's very hard to you know put into practice you know you just gotta look at andretti on the weekend and stuff like that you know like you can put a lot of different egos in a room and sometimes it, you know things can happen and things can work out or other times i just completely explode which is what you've seen and um you know i think it's uh, it's very cool what we have here and something that we should really pr be privileged to be a part of. Now, having said that, I was going to ask your reaction on what happened over at Andretti Autosport. It really looks like things are bad there, at least with two of the drivers. And you said that's been brewing for a while. When did you first become aware that uh, Grosjean and some of the other drivers weren't really hitting at all? Yeah, I mean, there's been certain driver meetings and stuff that we've had, um, you know, just before the races and, you know, one of them asks a question and the other one will say like something that contradicts their whole statement or, or says it's wrong or whatever. And it's like, well, teammates don't really do that, right? So it, you could see that it's been, um, there's been some, I guess, personality 
um, you know, clashes uh, over the last over the years. You know, and, and and to be honest, I get along with all those guys. Like, there's there's not an issue from my end. I just I think those you know guys together, it, it, it's you know they all are very competitive, but they they take it on a different in a different way. Um, and that's just probably something that needs to be controlled from um yeah from the top of andretti as well you know i think they've got a uh you know that's something that's you know worked very hard tim and roger very hard on teamwork and making sure that we're up to standard with that you know i think it, it always comes from the top that sort of stuff that sort of standard but having said that when there's a situation like we saw at mid ohio to where innocent bystanders can get caught up in their squabble how much of that is an issue that drivers have to be aware of if these guys aren't really getting along? Yeah, I mean, you just got to take it as it comes. At the end of the day, that's motorsport. You get caught up in stuff that, you know, sometimes teammates, it might not be teammates, it might be Romain and Graham Rahal or something like that. They might get caught up and you get caught up in it. That's just sometimes it happens. Um, but, yeah, I think it's uh, it's – it's an interesting dynamic that sometimes you'll be like you're behind a couple of them and you'll be wondering what's going to happen. Um, but it's also sometimes when you from the outside looking in, it's like, well, you that makes you even more privileged to be a part of a, something like this and the journey that we're on as a team. That you know, we, you know, when I'm in victory lane, you know, both my my teammates come up to me, congratulate me. You know, same goes with you know when when they win. I think we just got a really good camaraderie that um, you know makes you be like I said, privileged to be a part of, and you just got to watch those other little characters around you. But you also have one of the great characters in the sport as a teammate with Will Power. And have you ever, has he ever come up to you acting as if he's mad, but only in a way to kind of see what your reaction might be? Um, no, but if he did, I wouldn't really care. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he spun me out at, at, at um, Nashville last year, and and but we were very upfront with it straight away. Like, I was pissed off with him, but at the same time, we had a pretty gentleman. The uh, frank discussion and and we got over it like big boys, you know. And that's how that's how you've got to move forward. And you know, um, we don't have to hang out all the time. We don't, you know, don't have to do bits and pieces. But having a guy like that in your corner with how fast he is, you know, how much of a following he has, you know, you just got to try and learn off him, feed off him, and 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 try and beat him because you know if you beat him, you're doing a pretty good job. Because he's from Australia and you're from New Zealand, do you sometimes try to gang up and play tricks on Joseph? Yeah, yeah, uh, it might be the other way around. I think me and Joseph play tricks on Will, but um, the I think the camaraderie, like me and me and uh, Will, we get along pretty well. And it's funny we just talk about certain things. You know, obviously I lived in Australia for a very long time, so some of my mannerisms and stuff are very Australian, and and uh, he just laughs at that sometimes, and it sort of brings him back to home a little bit, I guess. So it has been nice having a guy that's from you know a country that you sort of grew up and um, just talking about bits and pieces that you Americans don't really understand. <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. It's one of the highlights on the schedule, at least from a fan's perspective, draws a big crowd, fireworks going off, you know, a lot of entertainment, a lot of action, a lot of excitement. What's your reaction or or what do you think of that event and that weekend? Uh, I really enjoyed Gateway last year. You know that was a, a, one of my uh, one of my good results of the year. I finished fourth there, and um, you know the short short track racing. I really enjoy the short track oval, and uh, it, it's going to be interesting when we go there with the package that we have this year. You know what the racing is going to be like, how if you can pass and 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 in an easy easy way, um, but. Uh, 
yeah, I, re- I I think we can go really well there as a squad and, and, and get a pretty good race. I mean, we've got a couple of trophies the last couple of years. We won there as a team. It gives you confidence as a driver to go back there and, and win at a track that you really enjoy. What about the whole vibe and atmosphere? It's one of those races where when you get to the track earlier on Saturday, you start seeing all these fans filing in, many of them from Indianapolis, many of them from all over the Midwest. But they really do circle that date as a race that they are going to make sure they're at. So to have that kind of support, how cool is that for it's, you? It's awesome. That that big grandstand in the front is just absolutely packed, and then the suites above that as well. And and uh, you know, I didn't realize until I went over and did uh, an autograph session um, during during the weekend that uh, you know how big it is out the back. You know, behind the grandstand, and how much vibes going on. You know, there's cars out there. There's um, you know, there's there's you know. Yeah, concession stands and bits and pieces of people looking at merchandise and and souvenir shops. It's it's crazy. It's it's um an awesome spectacle, and I think uh, the people at Bomarito do a very good job at promoting it, promoting it, and um, making it as big as it is. Because I think St. Louis looks like a town. I went to the baseball game last year, and it seems like a town that really follows its sports, and and a, a town that really gets uh, behind you know you know things that events that come to the city. On the parade lap or the salute lap, when they fire off the fireworks on that backstretch at first, did that scare you? Because it was like some drivers weren't even expecting that. Yeah, no, I, I, well, they sort of told us in driver's meeting that there was going to be something happening there. So I wasn't, uh, but all of a sudden you could feel the heat of the flames and stuff like that, which was pretty wild. But I love those twilight races where we race, like it's just going into dark, you know, it's, uh, you know, I wish we did more night racing, especially on the ovals. It'd be a lot of fun. But when you saw that flame and you felt it actually in the car, you've got to focus on your job, but what part do you become race driver and race fan to where it's like, wow, that's really cool. Uh, it takes probably half a second. You look at it, you're like, oh, well, and then you get back and do it. <laughs> you, know, you got to start saving fuel and getting on with it. But I think it's a great spectacle for the fans. And as far as the Midwest type of racing, short ovals is, is a great example of what they do in the Midwest, whether it be USAC midgets or Silver Crown cars, IndyCar races on short ovals. You come from a road racing background, but also in V8s. What do you think of that style of racing and, and how uniquely American is that to somebody who's not from the United States? Yeah, it is. I think oval racing is is American. You know, it's it's just, you know, it's what we've, you, what you guys have grown up around and, and what sort of IndyCar racing, you know, is DNA is a part of, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer on having more ovals. I'd love to go to Richmond. I know that was going to be on the calendar a few years ago. I'd love to go back there. I think um, there's some you know, really cool tracks around, you know, America, the Midwest, or you know, even around this area in Charlotte, like that we could race at. I'd love to race, to be honest, at, the, at Charlotte at the Roval and have have like a half oval, half road course. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, certainly, I think the way that the you you attack a race. Uh, at, on an oval is so different to how I've ever done that before. And I think that's uniquely, you know, American. If they did have a race on the Roval, do you believe your supercar experience would really make you, uh, give you an advantage? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think so. I think, uh, everyone will get up to speed pretty quickly with the, with the track, but it'd just be a cool track. I've seen like that, some of the onboard that Joseph did when he did a couple of laps there a few years ago and it looked awesome. And I think just having a half oval, half road course would be awesome. And because team Penske also houses the NASCAR teams, how much have you gotten to know some of their drivers over in NASCAR and on the team? And is there anyone in particular that you associate with more than others? Yeah, look, I probably associate myself 
you know, I train a little bit with Austin um, Sindrick and then I play a lot of golf with Ryan Blaney and hang out with him. So probably hang out with Blaney the most. Um, Joey's, he, he's a bit, um, I guess he's more of a family guy. So I don't really see him too much or into the shop. But, you know, I've hung out with Joey a number of times at Penzoil gigs and stuff like that. And um, yeah, he's a nice guy. It's it's very cool being a part of a, you know, a squad that not only now we've got IndyCar and NASCAR, we've got sports car coming on and dry, and walking through the, the sports car shop and seeing the Porsche there and stuff is pretty exciting and everyone in their Porsche shirts. So I think the the, the team's in a really nice spot right now and, and um, really set up for some big success in the near future. And as a race driver, how much do you want to just get in that Porsche and take <laughs> it out for a spin? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to one day maybe have it, have a go. Um, in the sports car thing, if there was ever an opportunity for me, but at the same time, I've got to make sure I, you know, put the best foot forward here and just make it happen. Uh, and if I keep doing the results like I did at Mid Ohio and and St. Pete, you know, maybe the opportunities will arise. Scott McLaughlin at the halfway point of the season, he's got two victories in the IndyCar series so far. Congratulations on those. Good luck the second half of the season. I'm sure you'll get in the thick of the battle for the championship here before long. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Yep. Thanks, Bruce. That's a mouthful. <laughs> Next up is Sweden's Marcus Ericsson, the current NTT IndyCar Series points leader and this year's big winner at the 106th Indianapolis 500. Here's my exclusive interview with Ericsson as we look forward to the next few races on the schedule for Pit Pass Indy. Our guest now on Pit Pass Indy presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway is Indianapolis 500 winning driver Marcus Ericsson. Marcus, it's the second half of the season. You're looking pretty good for the points championship. So how excited are you the second half of 2022 to go in and close out and maybe win a title? Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Like you say, we, we put ourselves in a good position leading the championship at the half, halfway point. And uh, uh, it's been a strong year. You know, we've been strong pretty much everywhere we've been and obviously won the, the big one. But uh, we want to do the double. It's been a while since that happened. So that's, uh, that's our goal now for the second half. Now, there's going to be a race uh, that we're going to be returning to next week. It's going to be the Honda Indy Toronto. It's been a while since you've run on the streets of Toronto. What do you recall about the track and how difficult it is? Yeah, I only went there once in, in 2019, and uh, it, was a, it was a good experience. I really enjoyed uh, Toronto as a city, and it was a, yeah, a great weekend. Unfortunately for me in the race, I got... Uh, hit on the first lap and got a, a lap behind. So it wasn't the best uh, race for me, but uh, I did enjoy the track and I feel like we've been really strong this year and last year on street courses, obviously getting my first two wins in Detroit and Nashville. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to coming back there, seeing the Canadian fans. It's going to be fun as well. It's always uh, you know, a good turnout. So really, really excited to be back there. The weekend of Toronto is going to kick off a very busy stretch of the season for IndyCar. After that, it'll be a doubleheader at Iowa, 
following that will be the second road course race at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And then after that, it's the streets of Nashville where, oh, by the way, you're the defending winner even though you went airborne there last year. Third week of August will be the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, the last short oval race of the season. So that's a lot of racing in a short period of time. How difficult will that be as a, for a driver? Yeah, it's going to be super busy, you know, from like you said, from now on, really until the end of the season. It's, it's like nine races in, what, two and a half months. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty crazy or even less than that. So it's, it's pretty crazy. It's going to be really full on. But that's what we love to do. We love to go racing. And I I feel like I have such good momentum now. And we all of us as a team. So we just want to build on that and, and uh, yeah, have a really strong second half and try and go for that championship. So I don't mind going a lot of races. That's, uh, that's perfect. During the break, you tested at Iowa Speedway. How important was that test considering you're going to have two races there at the end of July? It was very important. I think, like I said, Iowa is double points, you know, double header. So it's going to be important to have a strong weekend there for the championship. Uh, so, yeah, it was important to get there to test. We haven't been there for, you know, last year. So we, we had some stuff we wanted to try. And uh, I feel like it was a good test, but we, we have some work to do when we until we get there next time for the race. So, uh, yeah, good, good to get out there. It's a fun track. I love short, uh, short ovals. So Iowa and Gateway is going to be really, really fun uh, to, to go there in, in, in the end of the season now. You got a couple of weeks off. You did some testing, and then you also had some time off. Did you get a chance to catch up with anybody back in Sweden, or at least on the phone? Yeah, I actually went back home to Sweden for five days, and that was uh, was fantastic to see my family and friends. Uh, uh, hadn't seen most of my family and friends since January, so everyone was super excited to have me back for a few days and sort of celebrate a little bit uh, the Indy 500 victory. So it was uh, it was amazing and gave a lot of energy and you know recharged my batteries. So I'm I'm full of uh, full of energy now for the second half. Looking back at the Road America race, you had a very good finish. I know one of your teammates, Alex Pillow, was a little bit upset at an early race incident. You two talked shortly after that. How did that go? I guess you guys are old friends now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was, uh, you know, it was one of those racing incidents that happened sometimes. Obviously, it was very unfortunate that he had to retire at the spot, but uh, we talked about it the next day and, and you know, it's, it's all, all good between us and we move forward. And I think, you know, the important thing for us is that we continue to work as a team because that's why we've been so strong the last year and a half as, as a team. You know, we have Alex, me, Scott and Jimmy working so good as a group and we want to continue that. And then wrapping up here on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive 500 Worldwide Technology Raceway. That race is coming up in August. How do you like that track? You've had some good runs there. There was a double header there during 2020. How do you like that track and especially the show that it puts on for the fans? I really enjoy it. You know, it's, it's a really fun track to drive. It has two very different uh, corners. You know, turn one, two is very banked and, uh, you know, you break going into that corner and then you have three, four, which is a lot flatter and quite a big bump in the entry that makes it really tricky. So it's quite a tough track. You know, it might look a bit simple from the outside, but it's a really tough track to both set up the car and to drive. And and what I really enjoy there as well is the atmosphere. It's always a good turnout. It's usually a lot of fans there and they put on a great show. So really looking forward to that. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good race and race weekend. So hoping to see a lot of fans in the grandstands as well. Marcus Erickson, the winner of the 106 Indianapolis 500. Congratulations on that big victory, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Thank you.
We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. In 2022, Penske was the first team in history to win both the IndyCar and the NASCAR Cup Series championships in the same season. Team Penske enters the 2024 NTT IndyCar Series season with 236 IndyCar wins, including 34 500-mile race victories. Those are results that are tough to top. But Penske's legendary reputation for quality and attention to detail makes a statement off the track, too. When you need a truck, whether for your business or for a household move, Penske Truck Rental has some of the cleanest, newest, and best-maintained vehicles on the road. And we make it easy with personalized support from our associates, flexible reservations, and access to the top technology. With quick pickup and drop-off at more than 2,500 locations across North America, our scale and know-how will keep you covered, all helping to ensure you get the right, reliable, fuel-efficient vehicle when and where you need it. On the highways, the raceways, and every pit stop in between, Penske keeps you moving forward. Gain ground with Penske. Get a quote today at PenskeTruckRental.com or for household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Welcome back to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway on August 20th. Alex Pillow of Chip Ganassi Racing joins us now as he looks ahead to his first ever race on the streets of Toronto and even further ahead to the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 in this Pit Pass Indy exclusive. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, Alex Pillow, Chip Ganassi Racing. Alex, we're a little bit past the halfway point of the season. You're in great shape for a second championship. How do you feel your outlook is for the second half of the year? I think it's uh, it's interesting. It's super super fun to be able to to just fight for another championship. Um, I think we had a great season so far. Um, with really good cars, really good opportunities. We had some bad races as well, but uh, we, we learned a lot from them. So cannot wait for the races that we have now. Um, there are some places that uh, I know we, it's going to be tougher for us, like double header in Iowa or a new track for me, like it's Toronto, but uh, I cannot wait. You didn't have much bad luck last year. It came maybe back-to-back -back races toward the end of the year. Do you feel that you've gotten your bad luck out of the way early this year? Uh, yes and no. I don't know if I would call it bad luck, but uh, yeah, not uh, not getting 
everything from the packages we had. So, yes, I think we got uh, the bad results out of the way early so we can just concentrate on the good stuff um, and hopefully we can keep it going on good stuff until the end of the season and uh, try and win the second championship. A lot of us were surprised by your frankness after the Road America incident with Marcus Erickson. Where did that come from? Um, just frustrated um, knowing that we had a really good car and a really good opportunity to fight for the race. Uh, we were starting P3 and running P3. It was lap three. So just frustrated. Um, now that I had enough time to uh, look at the video, review and everything, obviously uh, Marcus did nothing wrong there. Um, it was just me playing it too safe with uh, with my teammates leaving the door open and stuff. So um, we learned from everything, um, but it was more frustration of losing a lot of points on a, on a good day for us. Plus, isn't Marcus kind of a guy, it's kind of hard to stay mad at him for long. Oh yeah, for sure. And we have a really good relationship. I just stayed mad at him for two or three hours and then it was over. We talked, we did everything and we still get changed. Uh, it sounds weird, but on the same trailer. So it's all good, uh, no drama. Honda Indy Toronto is coming up on the streets of Toronto. First time there since 2019. You weren't even part of IndyCar yet. How excited are you to head to Toronto? I'm excited and at the same time I'm not that excited because I'm uh, fighting for a championship and everybody I'm fighting with, uh, they've been in Toronto. So it's going to be tough, but uh, we, we're up for challenges. So hopefully you have enough time on practice to get comfortable, learn the track and, and start making the car as fast as possible. During the break, you tested at Iowa Speedway. How did the test go and how excited did you go back there for that back-to-back uh, -back doubleheader at, at Iowa Speedway in July? It was not the best test day we had, but that's what the test days are for. Uh, you want to test stuff and, and see if you're lacking some speed. And, and then the good thing is that we have enough time before the race to, to try and find some speed. So it was good in a way that we learned a lot, um, but it was bad in uh, terms of results, but they don't give any points for, for test day. So I'm happy that we have enough time. I'm excited to go back there. I don't know if I'm that excited that it's going to be a double header with the heat, but uh, it's going to be tough for everybody. Alex Pillow, driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda at Chip Ganassi Racing. Good luck the rest of the season. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Thank you so much, Bruce. Elio Castrodembas is closing in on a new contract with Meyer Shank Racing. The four-time Indianapolis 500 winning driver reveals that and more in this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, is Elio Castroneves of Meyer Shank Racing, four-time Indianapolis 500 winner, Elio Castroneves, that is. Elio, we're a little past the halfway point of the season. You're back for a full season of IndyCar action. Even though you're 17th in points at the midway point, you're really not that many points behind. So how do you feel the season is gone? Well, Bruce, you know, it was a more downs and ups uh, with the results that we we could possibly um, score a lot of points. Unfortunately, we have some, you know, incidents, whether it was a, a electrical issue or, or someone, you know, kind of like on the way. So uh, those are the things that took us a little bit more to the points. But 
Remember, this is uh, everywhere Everywhere I'm going is sort of like a first time. And uh, really looking forward to, uh, again, here in mid-Ohio. I was looking to the gear pattern. It was completely different than what I used to run here. So it will be another learning curve. But that doesn't intimidate me. We're just going to keep it working hard and um, trying to get that sweet spot that we need for the road course. Coming up next on the schedule, though, will be the Honda Indy Toronto. It's a return to Toronto, the streets of Toronto. Haven't been able to do that since 2019. How excited are you for that race? Yeah, I'm very excited to go back to Toronto. It's a place that I uh, very much liked. Um, always enjoyed that place. And, um, yeah, we were betting our chips on, on that one. And after that, back-to-back -back races in the daytime in the heat at Iowa Speedway. I watched you in a SRX race win <laughs> in Pensacola, Florida, where it was about 1,000 degrees. I guess because of your Brazilian background, the fact <laughs> you live in Miami, hot races probably suit you to a degree. Man, I was super hot. I mean, I was... I was gasping for gas over there. Uh, it was, it was actually, I looked to the good old times guys and they're like super relaxed. I'm like, what happened? I mean, I'm dying here, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, looking forward to go back to Iowa. Had a great test and uh, looking forward to that. How do you like being a stock car driver in SRX? <laughs> Different. I mean, I start learning using the bumper for sure. And uh, that's something that I uh, never thought I would be able to do it. But it's been, it's been fun. And obviously the drivers is being very, very nice. Uh, a tough guy to pass is Ryan Newman, which uh, a lot of people know that. So it was, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of got the taste of last race. And it also seems that whether it's Kurt, IndyCar, or SRX, Paul Tracy's still the bad guy. He's amazing. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, last, last race, it was my end, obviously. Uh, it was, we were battling for the win there. But he's... Um, He's an incredible guy, a trooper, and uh, uh, he's, always, uh, he's always a tough one. Michael Shank was our guest on last week's show, and he revealed to me that he's pretty close to having a deal together for you for next year. So it's not quite there yet, but we're going to have him back. It's our intention to have him back. How, uh, From your point of view, how are things looking in that regard to be able to come back next year and drive for this team full-time? Look, what we're building this year, it will be a waste not to come back. I mean, it's a, it's a very tough to go back and uh, going to new places. And especially myself that I've been away from, uh, from the sport since 2017. So it's great that we are getting uh, the groove on. And uh, I, I just feel it would be a, a waste of uh, opportunity to uh, not come back full time last year, next year and, uh, and continue the progress. For him to say that, it all but seems like it's a done deal. In your mind, is it a, pretty much a done deal? or We're working together, for sure. Uh, Jim and I and, uh, and, uh, and Mike, we definitely work. A uh, few details that we still need to, uh, to uh, obviously make sure that happens. But I feel pretty confident that um, we, um, we're going to get there. And how much has it helped having Simon Pagano as your sidekick on a different team? Because you guys race at Team Penske together. Seems like you have a very good chemistry with each other. Very good. I mean, uh, Simon and I worked together before uh, in, in with Penske, obviously, and now coming to a, a new team. I feel that what the information, but the experience that he has, you know, uh, definitely. And, and a guy that hasn't been absent like, I, like myself, from the sport, it definitely helps to connect those dots uh, that were missing uh, in uh, MSR. And now we're just, all of us, growing together. That's why, again, I, I want to keep going because you want to take the best out of it, which is going to, which is 
is not here yet. It's it's best is yet to come. This year at the Indianapolis 500, you drove from deep in the pack and finished seventh. A lot of times they say a race driver's best races, he may not end up in victory lane. Do you feel that was one of your best races that you did not win? Especially the conditions that the cars are today, very difficult to pass. I felt we didn't earn many, many positions, not many people crashed in front of us, which I was hoping for it. So we, we definitely earned uh, uh, our spot. It was, a, it was a strong one. I just needed a little more speed so that I could battle for the win. Coming up on August 20th will be the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, a race you've run in several times in your career, going all the way back to the first go-round back in the early 2000s and even during the kart days. How excited are you to race that race? It seems to be a popular race under the lights for the fans in the great Midwest that are able to come out to Worldwide Technology Raceway. Yeah, St. Louis has always been a, a very uh, dear place in my heart because of I used to work with Carl Hogan back in the days and uh, always enjoyed that place. That was, it gave me a great results in the past as well. Hopefully we continue the, tre the trend. Elio Castroneves, driver to number 06 Honda at Meyer Shank Racing. Congratulations on the season so far. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Thank you. Next up is Castroneva's teammate, Simon Pagino, who is having a fine season with Meyer Shank Racing. He is ninth in points, 104 out of the lead, but has meshed very well in his first season with the team after coming over from Team Penske in the offseason. Here's my exclusive interview with Pagina. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, Simon Pagino of Meyer Shank Racing. Simon, first season on the team, but it looks like you're having a lot of fun with these guys. I am. It's, uh, it's a great, great team to work with, uh, fantastic people, amazing talents. And uh, we're kicking off the second part of the season here with uh, great expectation. You know, we, we've learned to uh, know each other better, and now I think we have a good idea of what we need to do for, for the next. When they hit the halfway point of the season, there were 11 drivers within 97 points of the championship. Can you ever recall it being that tight, that deep, that far into the season? No, <laughs> I don't. I think it's really uh, competitive now. Uh, it has been, but it's just there's a lot of good teams, good drivers, and everybody's just fighting for uh, every scrap. So, you know, at the end of the day, I think we're, we're sitting 10th in the championship, 9th. Uh, I feel like we're in a good position. I was, that's kind of what I would have expected, uh, just having to learn so much from a new team, and um, hopefully we can grab a few more spots before the end of the year. There's some big races coming up, the Toronto race, the Honda Indy Toronto. First time IndyCar has been back there since 2019. How excited are you about returning there? Super excited. Last time we were there, I won the race. Uh, it's one of my favorite tracks. We've been tremendous on street course, so, you know, hopefully I can uh, show the potential and finish the deal there. Uh, definitely Detroit felt like a, a missed opportunity for us, so um, I look forward to that one. And then back-to-back -back races, daytime races, in the heat of the Iowa summer, you're a very fit athlete. How much fitness are you going to need for that weekend? Yeah, I think... Uh, you know, it's, it's always really hot there in the summer, uh, and, and it's a really physical racetrack. So, uh, you know, the handling of the car is going to make a big difference on that. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely one on that I have on my, on my calendar. 
looking forward. Uh, definitely the hydration process is going to be uh, hamped up that week. And then the weekend after that, one of your best tracks will be the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course, the Gallagher Grand Prix. How excited are you about going back there, especially after the run you had there in May? Yes, we uh, we had a good run, and uh, we feel really confident about what we had that weekend. It's obviously going to be a different temperature, but um, it's a good track for me. You know, I've had, I've had so much success at uh, Indianapolis in general. So I look forward to going back and seeing all our fans, um, you know, back at the track. The weekend after that will be the big machine Grand Prix, the streets of Nashville. What have you heard about changes that they're going to make to the course to make it a little more raceable and a little bit less chaotic? Yeah, I heard the restart's going to be on the bridge. Uh, so that should help, obviously, make the restarts a little bit more uh, compliant. And uh, and I, I guess they opened up the, uh, the vision for turn nine. So the, the water's probably moved on the inside, which should help also. Uh, but... I don't know about the racing. The racing's great there. I love the track. The layout's awesome. It's it's one of my favorite street courses. And then the race after that, one of the highlights of the summer, especially for race fans in the Midwest, is the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 Worldwide Technology Raceway. You've had some pretty good battles there. Usually they've been with Joseph Newgarten, who's won there three times. You're very good at that track. How big a race is that for anybody that goes out there and runs that track? Yeah, it's, it's a fun track. It's uh, short oval racing at night. They always have such a great crowd showing up too. So, hey, uh, hopefully I can uh, can have a good scrap with Joseph this time and then I finish on top of it. It would be, uh, be awesome. We, we're going to do everything we can to prepare for that one as we did for Iowa. Set, set up are quite similar. So um, hopefully that gives us a, a good idea of where we are. The race is going to be a little bit earlier in the day or a little bit earlier in the evening than we're used to. Believe that Victory Lane will be 7.45 local time. Will the setting sun be an issue at that track? Uh, I don't know. It's a good question. I, I haven't, I don't remember where the sun uh, lands basically uh, at sunset, but uh, it's always a, a question drivers have indeed. It's, it's always a... Uh, uh, an important thing to decide when you choose your visor. Uh, you know, you can choose a light tint, a smoked, uh, dark tint, or light tint. So it's something that I always check uh, before the race weekend. Is it just one more challenge that makes that race unique? Uh, definitely. It's, sunset is difficult for the drivers. It's, uh, you know, you want to be able to see if there's an incident ahead of you. So, um, But I'm sure IndyCar's done the best, and, and I'm sure they've checked that. So I'm not, we don't have to worry about it. That race is known for its fireworks before, during, and after the race. I recall there were fireworks at one race uh, with you and Joseph. I know you were a little bit upset after that. You know, when you look back at that, was that just really good hard racing, or was that kind of a situation that makes short oval racing so unique? Well, yeah, at the time I was pretty upset. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was a really late move um, with some rubbing. So, anyways, you know. Would I do the same today? I think yeah. It was I still think it was a good move from Joseph. I just was on the wrong end of the uh, of the stick, really. But uh, you know, if I have to be in the same situation, I will probably do the same. And that's racing. Uh, short over racing is really interesting for that reason. Um, you definitely have to take chances when you can, and, and he definitely did that. He's a true racer, Simon Pagano, driver at Meyer Shank Racing. Congratulations so far this season, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500, a worldwide technology raceway. Thanks, Bruce. We wrap up today's podcast with Worldwide Technology Raceway Executive Vice President and General Manager Chris Blair. 
He's back for the second week in a row as we reveal the weekend schedule for the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway for August 19th through the 20th. It's an action-packed weekend, so be sure to make plans to attend, especially after hearing my interview with Chris Blair. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, is the man himself, Worldwide Technology Raceway Executive Vice President and General Manager Chris Blair. Chris, on July the 8th, you released the fan schedule for the 6th Annual NTT IndyCar Series race at your track. Looks like it's going to be full-day activity from morning until night at your track. If we could just go down the list of the schedule and talk about some of the highlights. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that we've always tried to do. We've we've wanted to be in the entertainment business from the time a fan walks through the gate until the time they leave. Uh, and even after the checkered flag falls, we always try to offer something post-race. So that's one of the things we focused on again this year. Um you know, we've uh, we've always tried to you know live by the uh, the standard of making sure the midway is always exciting and making sure there's lots of activities and th- eye candy, <laughs> as you may say, throughout the property. So that we're, we're sticking that same program again this year. You know, we're going to be having uh, you know, the lots of racing activities. You know, obviously we've got uh, the NTT Data IndyCar Series and you know Indy Lights uh, Pro 2000. Uh, exhibitions from the vintage IndyCar group. And then in addition to that, we also have uh, uh, USAC Silver Crown on Friday night. So, I mean, there's a it's a full weekend of racing. And that's one of the things in working with the different sanctioning bodies is trying to make it all fit. There's not a whole lot of uh, fluff in the schedule, and that's exactly what we wanted. We want to keep people engaged. So, you know, we've got a you know full schedule of racing, but then the other pieces that we're working on is what we can do uh, to keep people uh, excited uh, out there on the midway. So, you know, from uh, starting middle of the day on Friday, we'll have bands playing. We'll have all kinds of activities going on out there. We're still nailing down some of the autograph sessions and different things like that. Uh, and trying to just bring energy to the show, with whether it's there are uh, tribute parades or working with car clubs and different groups. Um, you know, we just want it from, from the time you get there, to the time you leave, we want to offer a wow factor. And that's uh, one of our primary missions. And I think this, uh, this year's schedule really shows that. When I look at the schedule, I certainly think, wow, on Friday, August 19th, the parking lots open at 730 in the morning. The spectator gates open at 8 a.m. with a fan walk open for paddock pass holders. And then right as the spectator gates open, it's Indy Pro 2000 practice. At 9 a.m., the IndyCar garage opens, and the paddock is then open for paddock pass holders. That's a lot of early morning activity uh, when people are just starting their day. Yeah, you know, that's one of those things we can, we kind of go back and forth with is a lot of folks say, well, you know, do you really need to open the gates when, um, uh, you know, some of the classes are just out there practicing? And the way I've always looked at it, if there's a race car on the track, I, I think fans should have the opportunity to get in and see it. So, you know, we do a kind of a soft opening uh, with each day. You know, we're not going to have every single gate open. There's just, you know, limited access to, to get the fans going. And then we kind of gradually ramp up as the day goes along. Along, We open up more and more space and get everybody in. So, uh, yeah, it's. It, but I'm looking at it from the diehard race fan's perspective who wants to be there and see every little thing that's going on and every bit of movement in the garage and, and what's happening on track. So we try to deliver, you know, to those fans, the fans who are really just diehard gearheads, 
as well as the casual fan who may just want to show up, you know, an hour or so before the race and watch a race and leave. We're trying to uh, basically cater to everybody when we put these events together. Speaking of catering to everybody at 915 in the morning is the Vintage Indy Exhibition. What are some of the cooler cars that you will have taking laps around your track in the Vintage Indy? Well, the the great thing about what Mike Lashman and that crew uh, does is they bring such a wide array of cars. And, uh, you know, looking uh, forward to that, I haven't seen the final list yet, but I know a lot of the guys that are saying they're uh, they're coming and getting ready. So, you know, there's going to be a representation of everything from the 1940s and 50s all the way through uh, to just a few years ago. So, uh, you know, I'm not exactly sure what's coming at this point, but I know that uh, from what I've seen working with that group, they always bring some spectacular pieces. And we've got a lot of uh, local uh, vintage cars uh, as well. So there's got a lot of local representation. Our, our location being so close to Indianapolis, you know, a lot of the guys, uh, like the folks up there at Grant King's shops and the guys up there at uh, would turn four with uh, 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 Duman and them. They always bring great stuff to the racetrack. So I think you're going to see some fantastic pieces when we turn them loose that first day. Speaking of great stuff at the racetrack, at 10 a.m., you're certainly going to hear it when the USAC Silver Crown Series cars hit the track. And for anybody that doesn't, has never been to a USAC Silver Crown race, the roar of those engines is something you'll always remember. What's it like having the grassroots of USAC on your track? Well, that's one thing about it. There's been some fantastic races here. You know, actually, the first oval race that uh, that we ever promoted here after Curtis took over the track. You know, the first time the track reopened for the oval side of the track, it was for a USAC Silver Crown race back in 2013. Um, and it was one of those days where we probably should have punted because it rained. It, it, anything you can imagine. There've been tornadoes the night before. Uh, but we went ahead and went forward with it and put on the race, and it just truly was an incredible show. It came down to three cars coming to the checkered side-by-side, and every race we've had here uh, in the Silver Crown Series has been incredible. Uh, lots of strategy. I mean, the it's 80 laps or 100 miles, so we're right there on the edge on the fuel window, so your calculations on fuel has to be really close. And it's always just generated a fantastic show. So I think this will be about the sixth time that we've hosted Silver Crown. We've never hosted it on the same weekend as uh, as IndyCar. It's something the fans have always wanted. And so uh, I think, you know, for the fans that come that don't know what to expect, I think they're going to be blown away with this, uh, this show. And it's going to take place right after uh, IndyCar qualifying. So it's going to be an incredible night to see, you know, the, the new versus the old of open wheel racing. At 10.45 a.m. local time, it'll be the Indy Pro 2000 practice. And then at 12 noon central time, which is local in the area in uh, St. Louis, the NTT IndyCar Series Bomberito Automotive Group 500, the first of two practices on Friday. And that's an interesting day for the diehard race fan to watch IndyCar practice because some teams will be running race setup. Other teams might be putting on their speed setup for the single lap qualification runs. It's really an intriguing time. And how interested are you when you see IndyCar practice, the different variations that each team is using for what they're doing on the track? Well, I know the productivity of some of us here at the track really goes down during that uh, those, those practice sessions because we all we, we want to see what's happening on the racetrack ourselves. So we're we're kind of dropping what we're doing and checking it out. And you, know, you brought up a good point. It's trying to figure out the strategy because a lot of times when you watch those first practice sessions, uh, you you think somebody's having a bad day, and then when the race comes around, they're the guys who are 
up out front. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, people trying to determine what they're shooting for in that first practice and how they, their strategy. And, uh, you know, with the, the field of cars that we have, with a lot of uh, rookies in the field, you know, obviously uh, seeing Jimmy Johnson's first laps on this racetrack is going to be uh, really incredible and really special. So, you know, there's a lot of those pieces that are coming into it. I think it's going to be a, just an incredible practice session. And for Friday to get two practice sessions and qualifying in one day, uh, that's an amazing show all in itself. The Midway Entertainment begins at 1 p.m. What's some of the entertainment that's uh, going to start out then? Yeah, we've got a little bit of everything. We've got some DJs. We've got some bands. We're, you know, we're working on a variety of things, you know, a few little uh, automotive-related re- acts that are out there too. So it's going to be kind of a – a little bit of a circus atmosphere out there on the midway. After another USAC Silver Crown practice in 115, it's an Indy Lights Series practice session. And what makes that unique is the Indy Lights Series does not run very often on ovals. How fortunate and how important was it to you to have the Indy Lights Series as part of your schedule? Well, it's great to have them back. You know, the last time they ran here was in 2019. We haven't had them the last couple of years, you know, due to COVID and, you know, some of the different things going on with that series. So we're pretty excited about it. Uh, they, in the past, they've always put on a really good show here. Uh, I know we've got some teams that are going to be coming and practicing in early August, so we'll be able to see exactly what's in the works. And, uh, you know, I love what uh, Levi Jones is doing with that series. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to see that uh, there's uh, so much of focus on uh, the development of that program. So that seeing them out there on the track for that first session, it's going to be good to, to have them back. 315 is another IndyCar series practice. And then at 415, Coors Light Pole Night festivities begin. You're going to have qualifying for the USAC Silver Crown Series at 4.30, the Indy Light Series at 5.15, and the IndyCar Series Bomberito Automotive Group 500 qualifying is at 6.15 p.m. That's a lot of activity in in just a few hours' period of time. So I like how you've taken this schedule and built it up to a crescendo. Yeah, that's one of the things. We, you know, really, Friday is uh, it's one of those where you have to really uh, beat the drum and really give the fans something exciting to, to give them the reason to come out. And I think with this schedule, what we, all the activity we have that day, I mean, and for the the value of the ticket, it's going to be absolutely incredible. So there's, you know, it's that that Friday is as good as as most racetracks would offer for the you know the full weekend ticket. So uh, it's it's a really good deal, and I think fans are going to really enjoy it. it it's a good motivator for people to leave work early on Friday or or skip Friday altogether and come here to the racetrack because you're going to see so much action. Uh, that there's, it's absolutely amazing. And then, of course, the main event for Friday will be the USAC Silver Crown Series race at 8.30. The Gateway 100, 80 laps, 100 miles of racing beginning at 8.30. I can't think of a better way to end Friday's schedule than to see these USAC Silver Crown cars go out there on a short oval, which for them is going to be a long oval. Yeah, you know, they're, you're, from what you see, you're used to seeing them on the one-mile dirt tracks like Springfield and DeCoin or uh, but usually when they're on asphalt, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's IRP or something like that, where it's your five eight. So they can really open it up and wind them out here. And, you know, with the cooler conditions under the lights, uh, it should be just a great racing. Uh, we, you know, every time we've had them here before, uh, they, it's always been a daytime race. So for a lot of us getting to see Silver Crown under the lights on this big track, it's going to be really special. And for race fans, after that's over, the track closes at 11. They better get their sleep soon because it opens again Saturday at 8 a.m. Spectator gates are open at 8.30. 
9 a.m., a vintage indie exhibition again. You have Indie Pro 2000 practice at 9.45. Midway Entertainment begins at 10.15. 11.45, Indie Pro 2000 qualifying. And then at 12 noon, the IndyCar Garage and Paddock opens for Paddock Pass holders. This is a great time for them to see how the IndyCar Series teams get their cars ready for the race. Yeah, that's one of the things I, that I love about the IndyCar series. It kind of reminds me a little bit of you know NHRA with the drag racing, where you can get up close and personal to the teams as they're working. It's not uh, you don't have to jump through as many hoops in order to be able to get down there close to the action. And that, that's one of the things that uh, we're using as a true selling point of you know buy that paddock pass upgrade, you get the fan walk experience, and you get to get down there close to the action. And that's you know the great thing about the IndyCar and the drivers; they're so accessible. Uh, during this time, the teams are so good. Everybody, all the crew guys are great when it comes to you know, answering questions for the fans. And I always tell everybody, if you go to an IndyCar race, be sure to do the paddock pass upgrade because it's well worth the money uh, to get down there and get close and, and see everything that's going on. And for those fans that don't necessarily get the chance to do the paddock pass upgrade from 1230 to two speed freaks live, we'll have driver interviews on the midway stage. That's another great opportunity for race fans to get a chance to get up close and see their favorite stars, favorite drivers. Yeah. And we're still in conversations with IndyCar about uh, hopefully having a driver autograph session on Saturday as well. I know that's still in the works. So hopefully that gets to happen. And, uh, you know, the midway is just going to be as great as the fan walk and the, the infield paddock. So, Again, you know, it's, it's entertainment anywhere you look. That's what we're shooting for. And then at 2.15, the first of the three races that will conclude the weekend, beginning with Indy Pro 2000 at 2.15, 45-lap race. 3.15 p.m. is the Indy Light Series race, 75 laps. At 4.45 p.m., the NTT IndyCar Series Bomberito Automotive Group 500 driver introductions. And then at 5 o'clock, the grand finale, the sixth annual NTT IndyCar Series Race, Bomberito Automotive Group 500. It is definitely one of the highlights of the schedule. How excited are you just to know that on August 20th, you're going to have these cars turned loose on your track? Uh, you know, this is the highlight of the year. I've, you know, lifetime IndyCar fan and uh, getting to have them, have them back. Uh, it's always special anytime you, you see that happen. And that's one of the reasons we, you know, we always do the three abreast parade lap as a tribute to Indy because you know, Indianapolis 500 and Indianapolis Motor Speedway is what made me fall in love with racing. Uh, so I always like to do that that aspect and, and pay tribute to the the legacy of the sport with that. But uh, you know, the, but this year's event, I'm, I'm excited. You know, I always love having our night races. You know, we've got the earlier start time this year. Uh, we think that that's going to help us out a little bit with some of the out of town fans because we'll come to the race and then when the race is over, they can still drive home and, and uh, you know not be as late getting home. Uh, we did some surveys and we're taking a look at the scanning reports and tracking and the majority of our fans were already in the gate uh, for the last few years on the IndyCar race uh, by four o'clock. So you know even with the later start time, our fans were still arriving at around four. So I don't think this is really our earlier time shouldn't inconvenience anyone. I think it's going to play out well to everybody. They're already going to be here. We'll get the race done and over with a little earlier. Uh, it'll be kind of a twilight finish and uh, uh, still some time for fans to you know, do the track walk after the race. And you know, there's so many things they can do. Or if they want to hit the road, uh, working with the fine folks from Illinois State Police, so making sure everybody gets out of here quick and gets on the road and 
Um, you know, so it should be, it's a day for whatever you want it to be. If you want to come out and party in the campground and stay after we, you can do so. Or if you want to get on the road and head home, we offer that as well. There's something for everybody. The weekend of August 19th and 20th at Worldwide Technology Raceway, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500, Chris Blair, Executive Vice President, General Manager, Worldwide Technology Raceway. Good luck. I know you'll be back on the show here in the next couple of weeks to help promote the race. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. All right. Thank you, Bruce. We're looking forward to it. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy, presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. We want to thank our guest, Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske, Indianapolis 500 winner Marcus Erickson of Chip Ganassi Racing, defending champion Alex Pillow of Chip Ganassi Racing, four-time Indy 500 winner Elio Castroneves of Meyer Shank Racing, 2019 Indianapolis 500 winner Simon Pagano of Meyer Shank Racing, and Worldwide Technology Raceway Executive Vice President and General Manager Chris Blair for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests help make Pit Pass Indy presented by the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway, your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And we especially want to thank our new partners, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Make plans now to see one of the biggest and best IndyCar Series races of the season on Saturday, August 20th. For more information, go to www.traceway.com and bummerito.com. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin. And final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.